Psalm 25. Lord willing, we're going to wrap it up today. Psalm 25, that's kind of right in the middle of your Bible. If you're not familiar with it, no worries. should be easy for you to find. We're going to read the last few verses of Psalm 25 this morning, starting with verse 19 through verse 22. The title of today's message is A Stale Loaf of Bread. Seems kind of like a crazy title, but we'll get, we'll get there in a minute. All right. I have to take a deep breath. It's been kind of a rough morning for me. I don't know about you guys. Y'all ever have one of those mornings for where you... Uh, you, you get started off like late and just everything, you just can't ever seem to get, get back on track. I see some head bobbing. I, I overslept this morning and I have been like like two minutes behind. I mean, everything is just like nothing has fell into place. So so here we are. And so I'm going to take a deep breath and try to get my mind straight because we, we're, we're on God's time now. And uh, maybe some of you guys had a hectic morning too, but we're, we're in God's house. So we're just going to take a moment. We're just going to pause, give every, maybe, maybe some other of you are like me and you need a chance to kind of catch your breath, so we're just going to pause for a few seconds, kind of clear our minds, and then I'll open us up with a prayer. God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for the freedom to come into your house, and I pray that, that this, this time that we have is going to be your time, dear Lord. It is your time, whether we give it to you or not, it's up to us, but I pray that we would, dear Lord. I pray that we would give you our undivided attention, that whatever may be on our heart, dear Lord, that you would change our, our attitudes, that you would change our hearts. If we've got something, uh, a bad attitude or a bad heart this morning, that we would focus on you. I pray that you'd free us from any distractions this morning, that there would be nothing that's going to draw us or, or make our mind wander or keep us from focusing on you. And God, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word. As we look at these words today, I pray that we would kind of understand what David's going through and understand that he's praying to you, dear Lord, to understand the God that you are. So God, I pray that you would, you would help me to preach and teach effectively this morning. I pray that you would Help my attitude and my mind to be straight, to be focused on you, and I pray that you would receive all the glory, dear Lord, for everything that's said, God, is to draw people in here closer to you. So I pray that, God, people would look to you this morning and look to your word, and that the Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them to hear what you want them to hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Psalm chapter 25, starting with verse 19. Consider my enemies, they are numerous, and they hate me violently. Guard me and deliver me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and what is right watch over me, for I wait for you. God, redeem Israel from all its distresses. Now, David's covered a lot of ground in Psalm 25. David started off... Uh, knowing that there was no one else he could turn to and no one else he could trust other than the Lord. And David said, look, God, I want you to guide and lead my path so that I go on the right way that you desire for me to go. David said, look, God, I want you to forgive me not based on what I did, but God, based on your faithful love. David realized that, that 
Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He genuinely feared the Lord because he knew who God was and what God was capable of. And so we see David covering all this ground uh, leading up to this point in our passage uh, this morning. Uh, we go on, uh, last week we looked at David uh, kind of talking about the presence of his enemies and being in temptation and asking God to deliver him from the net, deliver him from those things that may uh, bring him down. Uh, the same is true for you and I. And then today David uh, kind of uh, takes a shift at least. What we're going to talk about is going to kind of take a shift from what we talked about last week. And that is uh, David is confronted with lots of enemies. We, we saw last week the great distress that David was in. That his heart was, was distressed. That he had affliction. That he felt alone. And today he follows up on that by talking about his enemies. Asking God to deliver him from his enemies. Enemies. David faced some, some great enemies in his day, some real physical enemies. He faced Goliath, who, guess what? He was able to defeat by the help of the Lord. He, he faced Saul, who was trying to kill him, and David was, was on the run from Saul. And David faced some enemies in his day. Plus, there were all the people who were always trying to destroy Israel. As David being the king of Israel, he had to lead the people of Israel against all these enemies that were coming to attack the Israelites. But there was one thing that David knew. And David knew that no matter what enemy attacked him, that as long as the Lord was on his side, that he would prevail. He knew that God would deliver him from his enemies. Now David had some hard times. It's not that everything was always rosy or that he didn't have difficult times. But in the midst of this difficult time in Psalm 25, David knew where to go. David knew that it was only the Lord who could deliver him. And there may be some of you in here today that are like David. You may be going through a difficult trial in your life and you feel alone and distressed. And you feel like the enemy, whether it is, it is Satan with temptations and things that are coming your way and sin that, that, that's in your life, uh, that may be your enemy. It may be a real enemy who's coming against you in your life, something that's trying to cause harm to your life. Perhaps uh, you've, I know many of you have served in service before uh, and, and fought in wars and you know what it's like to face an enemy and it's, it's scary, I would assume. I've never been there, but I would assume that if you're a soldier on the battlefield, that, that it is scary when you see the enemy pushing down on you. It's a difficult situation. And David was experiencing that. And David was asking God to deliver him from his enemies. Verse 19 said, Consider my enemies, they are numerous, and they hate me violently. These are not just some enemies that are that are so-so. These are people who hate him violently, and it's not just one enemy. His enemies are numerous. Now, many of us in life, we face situations where it seems like our, our tough situations or our hard times are numerous, and there's no way that we could ever get through those difficult times. There's no way that we could make it through those times. And David felt that. David felt that in this psalm. But reading this psalm reminds us of what David already knew, and that is to seek the Lord. And that's what we are to do in our, in our times of struggle and trouble where it seems like everything is against us. It is only the Lord who can deliver us. Consider my enemies, they are numerous, and they hate me violently. God, or excuse me, guard me and deliver me, and do not let me be put to shame. Now, David is asking for the Lord to deliver him from his enemies. 
And what we see is if you go back and if you've, if you've read the Bible much in your life or if you want to go back and, and read in the Old Testament, I'm going to tell you some stories today of times that God delivered his people from their enemies. The first story is found in Judges chapter 7. Now, I'm not going to read through the whole text just for time's sake, but make you a note, make you a middle note, jot it down, and you can go back and you can read in Judges chapter 7. Now, in the time of the Judges, this is a bonus. This ain't part of the sermon. This is just a bonus. I want you, you can stop your watch if you're timing how long I have today. This is just bonus. All right, the time of the Judges, I'll kind of give you a little history lesson. God had, had uh, delivered his children out of, out of Egypt. They were enslaved there. And God had brought them into the promised land by Joshua. Joshua had brought them in and God had divided that land up. We talk about that on Sunday nights, by the way. We're talking about Joshua. And, and during that time, right after the time of Joshua, God had appointed judges. Now these judges were people who were going to kind of watch over, I guess for lack of a better word. They were going to watch over Israel. Israel still had many enemies during that time. There were lots of people in the promised land that they went in to conquer who were living there. And so God delivered many of those enemies over to Israel, but those enemies were still coming at God's people. And God had appointed judges to, to watch over and to lead his people. And so that's what the book of Judges is about. And one of those stories in the book of Judges covers a judge by the name of Gideon. Now, he's one of the more famous judges. Uh, we, we, we hear stories of Gideon from time to time. Some of the judges played a, a major role, and some of them we don't see a whole lot about. But Gideon, we, we see a pretty good bit about Gideon in the text. Now, Gideon was the one who, he, he, he wanted to make sure that he was hearing correctly from God. And he said, look, God, I'm going to put a fleece out. And if I wake up in the morning and the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, then I'll know, God, that, that, that you're with me and that I'm supposed to do what you're telling me to do. And God did that, and the next day, Gideon said, well, I'm going to ask just the opposite. In the morning, I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet, to be covered with the dew. And God did that, and Gideon uh, knew that God was with him. Well, uh, Gideon and the Israelites had some enemies that they were facing. And what, what God did was he said, I want you to gather all the people together. And, and it was something like about 32,000 uh, troops, give or take a few. Uh, you can go back and, and read that and double check me. I may be wrong on that. But I think it was about 32,000 troops. And God said, this is too many troops for you to go and fight your enemy. That's an odd thing to say, right? I mean, if you were going to war, you would think that you would want as many troops as you could get. And God said, look, tell the ones who don't really want to be here anyway to go home. So they did. Gideon told the ones, and a bunch of them went home. And there were some 10,000 or so that remained. And God said, I want you to get them to drink from the, drink from the, the water. And whichever ones just lean down and lap it like a dog, tell them to go home. But the ones who drink the water from their hands, those are the ones who I want you to use to send into battle. And Gideon did that. And guess how many men were left? 300 men. 300 men. God had said, look, you have too many men to go into battle. What God was telling the people of Israel is that I want you to know that I am the one who is going to win this battle for you. It is nothing that you are going to do. It is of no power of your own, but I am the one who, am go who is going to deliver you from your enemies. God went on to tell Gideon, he said, look, this is Judges chapter 7, verse 13. He says, look, when you go down to the, to the town, you're going to hear people talking. And he came to this one guy, and this guy said, I had a vision. 
He said, I imagine this, this, this stale loaf of, of barley cake or a stale loaf of bread rolling down the hill and hitting the enemy's tent and the tent completely falling because it was hit with a stale loaf of bread. And what God was letting the children of Israel know there is this. This is a Shan paraphrase. Is that God can do more with a stale loaf of bread than we can do with 10,000 tanks and an army full of soldiers. God is with us just as God was with the Israelites. And that vision that was revealed to Gideon that showed that stale loaf of bread rolling down the hill and completely destroying the enemy's tent. A stale loaf of bread ain't, ain't good for a whole lot of nothing. But God can use a stale loaf of bread to do a lot. And God was reminding Gideon that he can do a lot with a little. That is, don't trust in how many troops that are going with you. Don't trust in what you have. Don't fear the enemy because of how many they have. Don't fear the enemy because of how strong they are. Don't fear the enemy because of how many weapons they may have. But rather trust me to know that I am with you and I am going to deliver you. And guess what? Anybody want to guess what happened? Did the Israelites win or lose? They won. You know why? Because God delivered them from their enemies. Now I bet you, I bet you that David uh, knew about some of these stories about what God has done. David was a pretty smart guy. He had probably heard the stories. Now I don't know if he knew all of these stories we're going to look at today, but I bet you he knew some stories. I bet you he knew about his God. I bet you he knew about God's deliverance of his people. And God is pray, or excuse me, David is praying for God to deliver him here. And this is just one example of where God delivered his people from enemies even when they were greatly outnumbered. Why? Because his power is greater than the power of our enemies. Listen carefully to that if you didn't get it. God's power is greater than the power of any of your enemies. I'll read you and uh, tell you another story from the Old Testament. Another story from the Old Testament. Uh, this comes from uh, the book of 2 Kings, chapter 18. Uh, there was a king of Israel. His name was or, uh, of Judah at this point. The, the kingdoms had split into Israel and Judah. And uh, Israel had a bunch of bad kings. They didn't really have any good kings uh, after they split. Uh, but God had, had, had continued to be with the tribe of Judah. And they had a few good kings along the way. And one of those good kings that, that Judah had was a king by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king for the tribe of Judah once they split into two separate groups. Now I'll give you another little bonus history lesson so you know what's going on during this time. The Assyrians were a powerful people. We see about them uh, in the Old Testament. They were an evil people. They did lots of evil things and they were a powerful people. They came into power after the Egyptians. And God's chosen people had been split into two groups uh, because of some sinfulness that had taken place, uh, because of what Solomon did uh, after Solomon died, uh, the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel were split. Ten tribes were known as Israel, and two tribes were known as Judah. And over time, over a few hundred years, uh, the people of Israel uh, did not do what was right in God's sight. Israel, in particular, uh, did not do what was right in God's sight. In 722 B.C., the Assyrians came and conquered Israel and pretty much done away with them. There was no real nation of Israel as it used to be known. But Judah had a few good kings that kept them on the right track and led them in the way of the Lord. And one of those good kings was the king of Hezekiah. 
And after the Assyrians came and attacked Israel and, and pretty much dispersed them and destroyed them, he, the Assyrians uh, tried to come into Jerusalem and overtake Jerusalem, and it appeared as though that they were going to do so. But faithful Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And Hezekiah said, God, please deliver us from our enemies. Now the Assyrians were a powerful people. And guess what? God delivered his people. He sent an angel down and they killed something like, like 185,000 of the Assyrians. And guess what? The Assyrians retreated. And God's children were not destroyed at that point in time. The tribe of Judah continued to, to stay around for years to come because Hezekiah was faithful and Hezekiah began to seek the Lord for deliverance and God delivered him. And that's what David was doing here. David was saying, look, God, I know you can deliver me. God, I know you can do a lot with a little. I know that in your power you can take the biggest, most fiercest evil armies that come against me, and God, you alone can deliver me. And David was saying, please, God, deliver me from my current situation, from my current distress, from my current enemy. He says, guard me and deliver me and... Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. He says, do not let me be put to shame. Now, I don't know if, if David was, was, was worried about uh, shame on his own, or, or I wonder if David was worried about he didn't necessarily want uh, the Lord to be put to shame. That is, if David was put to shame and David was, was seeking the Lord and David was trusting in the Lord, if David's enemies were to come in and overtake him, the first thing they would say is, well, where's your God now? What's your God doing? And David was saying, don't let me be put to shame, dear Lord. I think David was saying, God, let the people see who you are, that you are a God of deliverance, that you are a God that can take on the most fierce enemies. And we serve a God who keeps us from being put to shame. We see that lots in the Bible. I'll read a few scriptures to you guys this morning. One of them comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. It says, For it is contained in Scripture, Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. That cornerstone that the Bible talks about is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the one that all is built on. And we have an assurance there in the book of 1 Peter that if we trust in Jesus Christ, if we make Him our foundation, our cornerstone, Peter says we will never be put to shame. Not we may sometimes be put to shame occasionally. He says we will never be put to shame. That is, ultimately, God will always deliver His people. And it's not that we won't have seasons where it may seem like we're alone or we may feel distressed just like David. But God is faithful to deliver His people so that we are not put to shame. Romans chapter 10, verse 11. Now the Scripture says... Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. Again, there's the same promise, the same reassurance that those of us who are in Christ can believe in. When it talks about those who believe in Him, again, it's talking about Jesus Christ. And when we trust in Jesus Christ, we will not be put to shame. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. 
keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Jesus did that for us. He took the shame that you and I should have had and Jesus took that on our behalf. Jesus took the shame so we could live free of shame, so we could be delivered of that. Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, I think about those, those words that Jesus spoke. Jesus was quoting this very psalm. When he was on the cross, he felt like that, that God had completely abandoned him. He felt like that he, was, that he was left on the cross and he was saying, God, why have you forsaken me? God, why don't you deliver me? I feel like that that's probably similar to what David was feeling here. He felt alone. He felt afraid. He felt like God had abandoned him. But God had not abandoned David. And God had not abandoned Jesus. While Jesus suffered on that cross and, and took all the sin and punishment that we deserved, you know what God did? God delivered him. God lifted Jesus up. God brought him back from the grave. And I wonder if Jesus was thinking about David. Obviously he was. He was quoting Psalm 22. And I think about David and Jesus and how David is asking for this deliverance. But sometimes we have to go through difficult things before God delivers us out of those things. And as far as good. If Jesus hadn't suffered and gone through what he went through on the cross, then you and I would have no hope. But because Jesus went through those things willingly for us, we have the opportunity to be delivered. The same God that brought Jesus from the grave, that, rose him, that, that helped him arise from the dead, is the same Jesus who delivered David from his enemies and who's the, same, who's the same Lord who's going to deliver us from our enemies. Mark chapter 15, verse 34. Or no, excuse me, I just read that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So this, 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 this prayer of, of deliverance from, from enemies is not an uncommon thing in Scripture. We see it in both the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We constantly see God's children asking, God, please deliver me from my enemies. God, don't let me be put to shame. And we know that the same prayer that David prayed is the same prayer that God has answered through Jesus Christ that we can be delivered from our enemy Satan, and that we can escape being put to shame if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 21, May integrity and what is right watch over me, for I wait for you. We saw David say that earlier on in the psalm. David said, I wait for you, Lord. And that's the hardest part, is waiting. It's hard to wait for the Lord because we want it to happen in our time, we want it to happen right now. We want it to happen just the way that we want it to happen. But David knew that it was a process. David knew that even if the Lord didn't answer him immediately, even if the Lord didn't answer him in the way that he wanted to be answered, he did not say, God, if you don't do something, I'm done with you. David said, look, here's my request, Lord. I've made my request to you, and God, I wait for you. 
some of you have made your request to God and you still feel like David. You still feel alone. You still feel distressed. You still feel worried and burdened. But I want to encourage you, wait for the Lord. I know it's tough. It is so hard when we go through hard times in our life. But wait for the Lord. And He will deliver you. He will deliver you in His time. He will deliver you when it's just right. And that is hard. But He is right there with you every step of the way. And not only can we learn how to pray like David prayed here, learn how to ask, what to ask, and why to ask it of the Lord, but we also learn that once we make our requests known to the Lord, that we need to wait on the Lord. <clears throat> and then David kind of takes a, a weird turn here at the end in verse 22. Well, maybe it's not weird. It's just a little different from what's been going on. He says in verse 22, God redeem Israel from all its distresses. Now David had been praying a prayer here for himself, and now all of a sudden he, he throws Israel into it. David was not only, only concerned about his own life and his own well-being and his own situations, but he was also concerned with the good of all of the people of Israel. His concern was for his brothers and for his sisters. And he says, look, God redeem Israel from all its distresses. You know, sometimes in our distresses, we get so caught up in our own worries and our own problems that we may, we may miss or not notice other opportunities where God may call us to serve. And it's okay for us to pray for ourselves in time of distress when we have a need. It's okay for us to pray to God to give us the strength. But let us not forget to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us not forget that they may be going through times, too, of, of difficulty, times of distress, times of worry, times of fear. And it may be that God wants to use you to bring comfort to a brother and sister. It may be that God wants to use you to bring words of encouragement. It may be that God wants to bring two, two of us as Christians who are struggling together so that we can strengthen one another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's what the Bible says. So sometimes in the midst of our distresses, obviously first we need to seek the Lord. But sometimes we also need to seek the encouragement and the love and the, and the guidance and the comfort of each other and to pray for those others who are in distress. And that's what David was doing for the children of Israel. You see, David knew where to go through for comfort. He knew where to go through for guidance. He knew who God was. He knew God was a God that could deliver him from the most fiercest enemy. And the same God that David prayed to is the same God that we are here to worship today. The same God that will deliver David is the same God who will deliver you. The same God who keeps David from shame is the same God who is going to keep you from shame. We serve an awesome God. And David knew that. David knew that we serve a God that can defeat an enemy with a stale loaf of bread. We, can, we serve a God who can do a lot with a little. And you say, I'm weak and I don't have much to offer and I don't think I can make it through. And on your own, you're right. On our own, we can't do that. But with God, He is strong enough to get us past our most difficult enemy, through our most difficult time, and to lead us to victory. Let's pray. 
Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these words of David. I thank you for this psalm that, that he has written. And I pray, God, that, that, we, that we see in your word all the many times that you have delivered your children. We see time and time again, God, that you deliver your children, sometimes through some, some ways that we would say are crazy, dear Lord, to, to use less people, to, 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 to fight a giant with a slingshot and a stone, dear Lord. All these things seem so crazy to us. And God, we, we come across our enemies and we, we come up with these grand schemes and grand ideas to defeat the enemies that we have in our life, God. But help us not to trust our ways because our ways may not be your ways. God, sometimes your ways that you reveal to us are unconventional. And God, we don't have the faith to do what you call us to do. And as a result, God, we're still struggling against our enemy. But God, help us to seek you and to hear from you. And to listen to you, even in what may seem unconventional, that we do what we feel that you call us to do, God. To know that you can defeat our enemies in ways that we can't imagine. And it's not about our strength or our power, but it's about your strength and your power, dear Lord. And you have infinite strength and you have infinite power. And so I pray, God, that, that if there are some who are struggling today, that they would turn to you. God, I pray that they would turn to Jesus. Because ultimately, that's what your word points us to. The deliverance that we, that we want, the victory that we want, is not just a victory over, over something right here and right now. While it may be, dear Lord, ultimately, we want victory over sin forever. We want victory over death forever, God, so that we don't have to worry about those things. So that once we get to come and be with you, Lord, that we are free from those things, that we have ultimate victory. And so, God, I pray that if there are some in this room that have not been delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ, that they would come to Jesus today. That they would ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into their heart. That they would ask you to forgive them of their sins. That they would accept the blood that was shed on the cross that you died for them. That they would just acknowledge you as their Lord and Savior. Confess, dear Lord, that you're their Lord and Savior and ask you to be in their heart and be their Savior, God. And that they would follow and seek you, God. If there are some that, that haven't followed you before, that they would do so today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.